Well, hello, everyone. This is John Byrne with Pawtus Quants. Welcome to Business Casual, our weekly podcast with my co-host, Caroline D'Arty Edwards and Maria Wickvilla. We want to talk about the future of the NBA. Uh, this past week, Notre Dame announced that it was going to shut down its one-year accelerated program. That follows Cornell University's decision to also shut down its one-year program. And over the years, we've seen quite a few schools shutter There are two-year residential MBAs, including Penn State, which will shut down its two-year program next year. We've had University of Iowa, Wake Forest University, Thunderbird, Virginia Tech, Simmons College, all given it up, along with the University of Illinois, uh, which went totally online. And, you know, a lot of people may inevitably ask, well, is um, the MBA less desirable today or, or not? And why is Notre Dame and why is Cornell, two very good, strong universities with great business schools, shutting down their one-year programs? Now, Caroline, you you have a view on this because, of course, in Europe, most of the MBA programs are only one year, and that's widely accepted and seemingly preferred. Yeah, that's right. It seems somewhat counterintuitive that they're closing their one-year rather than the two-year programs. As you mentioned in your article, John, there was a GMAC survey that showed actually, you know, there's been an increase in interest for one year rather than two year MBAs. And and now, according to GMAC, more prospective candidates said that they're interested in one year rather than two year programs. So they seem to be going in the wrong direction, at least at first glance. So I think maybe what's happening here is that it's difficult to have two different formats in the same school. I think that you have to you have to pick your camp, right? You have to decide which model you're going to focus on and, and focus on making that one successful. And having two quite different formats can be confusing for the market. So I could understand that they may struggle to attract candidates if they're known for one format rather than the, than the other. And I would imagine that there are additional costs involved with running through very different formats. And so I would imagine that um, that has become more difficult as time has gone on. And so that they have decided that they have to to focus. And probably the two year programs have have been their flagship programs for many years and continue to to have perhaps greater success than the, the one year programs that were launched more recently. So I, I think that may be what's happening. And I think also as you say, you know, that this is part of a broader trend where schools are a little bit further down the pecking order in, in the in the rankings and in perceptions of quality of business schools are, are struggling, frankly. And my husband was at his Stanford reunion recently, and the dean was talking about how he believes that there will be, uh, ultimately, you'll be left with a handful of top business schools which have flagship two-year MBA programs that will be very continue to be very successful as they are today and will continue to attract outstanding candidates as they have done for many years and as we see them continue to do. Um, and then you'll have a few other options, right? So as you said, the international MBA programs typically one-year format and that they are well known for that. That's become part of their brand and that attracts a often a different cohort of of often very international candidates who may have less, have had less um, savings power than um, than candidates coming into the top two year programs in the US, and therefore you know the the efficiency and the cost savings of doing one year rather than two year are um, very attractive to that group. And then you'll have um, 
a somewhat fragmented market with candidates going into um, more and more candidates going into online programs, right? You have often commented, John, on the growth of those one-year programs and um, increasingly um, schools that are well known for um, having a really strong brand offering online programs, right? Like the Wharton Executive MBA. And then there will be, we have seen the growth of other master's programs. Um, So master's in data analytics, master's in management, master's in finance that have sprung up over the last few years and have absorbed, uh, you know, and potentially have cannibalized some of the MBA programs. So I I think that that may be the direction that, that we are moving in and that perhaps these uh these closures are part of that trend yeah that's that's very true maria you have a take on this yeah it, it's it's fascinating uh to see that this is the direction that that they're going in uh, i wonder if part of the issue has been one of expectation management so you know caroline alluded to the fact that it you know if you're trying to juggle a two year program and a one year program at the same time you're probably diverting your resources and, and spreading them kind of thin i i wonder if the one year program if people entered the one year program that that was spun out of an existing two year program and they were expecting sort of the same exact kind of, you know maybe all, clearly a more condensed version but still the same quality of education and same quality of career outcomes and i wonder if recruiters were expecting the same quality of of candidates and i'm wondering if there's something that we don't know about people graduating from this one year program and perhaps not being satisfied with what they were expecting not getting what they were expecting from it either from an academic perspective or from a career opportunity perspective there's, it's, there's something odd going on because for many people, a one-year format would make a lot of sense and it's popularity, enduring popularity in places like Europe attests to that. So something something confusing is is happening here. Uh, but I, I do think that there is a, a, probably a cannibalization effect, uh, as Caroline noted, uh, with people, you know, the, the general management uh, degree certainly has a lot of value, but there's also a lot of value in becoming a specialist in something like data analytics or operations and supply chain or what have you. So I do wonder if those more specialized masters are, are just sort of taking over what used you used to have to get an MBA for. Why why do that when you can sort of specialize and eliminate the the stuff that isn't as relevant for your interests? True. What, what's kind of interesting is that uh, these closures at Cornell and at Notre Dame are occurring at a time when the latest survey of prospective students by GMAC has found for the first time ever, incidentally, uh, that more uh, students would prefer a one-year MBA to a two-year. They surveyed uh, over 2,700 people in 131 countries. 22% of those Prospective students said they would prefer a one-year accelerated program. 20% expressed a preference for the traditional two-year uh, program in the U.S. But I'm I'm thinking in that survey that while um, the one-year finally overtook the two-year, it is such a global survey that I would bet that a lot of the people who are responding uh, have their eye on Europe uh, or other one-year programs and not generally, you know, the the, the, the few one-year programs in the U.S., because after all, you know, Kellogg still has a one year, Duke has a one year, Emory has a one year, USC, uh, Southern Methodist has a one year. And then and then there's the interesting phenomenon that Cornell, even though it got rid of its or is getting rid of its accelerated one year MBA, 
it did launch the Cornell Tech MBA, which is a one-year program, but it's specifically designed to give an MBA to people who are interested in a career in tech. And then you have NYU Stern, which uh, has successfully launched two one-year MBAs, but both are industry-specific as well. So instead of a specialized degree in technology, management, or fashion and luxury field, they're doing an MBA with a fashion and luxury slant and an MBA with a tech slant. And that seems to work. And my supposition there is that if you join an NYU Stern program in tech and fashion or luxury, or you join the Cornell Tech MBA program, you have already decided what your industry is going to be. So immediately there's more direction to your uh, desire to have a graduate management education. Uh, and you don't have to experiment. You don't have to have that internship to help make you uh, make a transition from one discipline or industry to another, which is, you know, generally the two-year residential MBA is ideal for career switchers. So I think I think that gives the uh, specialized MBA degree a little bit more cachet because it would be easier to place those students in the tech field or fashion luxury field given the fact that the whole program is is around those industries and has experiential learning and projects with companies and advisory boards of executives from those companies so that um, everything is kind of working in one direction to get you that job. Uh, so even if you're a not someone in technology but want to do tech, you can do the one-year tech MBA at Cornell or NYU Stern and make the transition because it's so specialized. So there's that. The other thing, I think there's also, you know, outside the top 30 or so schools that are ranked uh, for two-year MBA programs, what you find is that the MBA programs, the other schools, even though they may be ranked from like 30 to 100, which puts them in a very specialized, high uh, group of schools, those programs tend to be very small. The cohorts are uh, intimate, and in many cases, they are not profitable. Uh, the schools are hanging on to those MBA programs and fighting uh, to recruit people and enroll people uh, because they want that U.S. News ranking. In many cases, the MBA ranking from U.S. News is often considered to be the de facto ranking for a business school. So if you get a ranked uh, MBA program, you can basically go in the market and claim, okay, you can get your specialty master's in supply chain management from a business school ranked in the top 50 in U.S. News. Uh, because the MBA ranking looms large over all the other programs that the school has, uh, because the MBA is the only really truly universally ranked um, graduate management program. Sure, there's some specialty rankings, but they're few and far between. So people tend to rely on the MBA ranking and and see it as an overall ranking for for a business school. So you have a lot of schools that are hanging on to unprofitable small programs to get that ranking every year and to be able to broadcast it into the marketplace. And then, you know, you're right. I mean, there is this expectation. So in Europe, the expectation is for a one-year MBA and it's very popular and that's the preferred format for that degree. And in the U.S., it is not the preferred format. Um, and mainly, I think it's because of the whole career switching uh, phenomena where most people who go into a two-year MBA program uh, want to switch careers and that summer internship is uh, a crucial experience to help them do that. 
do we think that other schools are going to follow suit? So in other words, a few one-year MBA programs in the U.S., do you think they're going to last? Do you think that maybe in some markets there may be an opportunity for schools to, um, let's say, if you have a non-profitable uh, two-year, why don't you just try a one-year, right? Caroline, what do you think? Well, I, I think possibly what what has just happened with these closures shows that it's not as easy to run a successful one-year program. It's yeah. not just a case of make it a little bit faster and off you go, right? I mean, INSEAD pioneered the one-year format that started, what, 70 years ago now, right? right. And it's, it's yep. um, really... Uh, the school's DNA is based around that that particular format, and everything is geared towards making that effective. And it has a lot of implications, right? So, you know, you talked about how two years gives you more time to make a career change and so on. Well, actually, at INSEAD, a lot of the students are making very dramatic career changes, but the school has an incredible careers team um, that will start working with the students actually even before they turn up on campus, right? So right. the whole job search is is really crafted around that that time scale. And I would imagine that it can be difficult for the, the career counselors at a two-year program to adjust to that very different cycle, right? For for a one-year program. It is is just a very different way of working. And I could imagine sort of being pulled in two different directions is is quite difficult. So I, I think that maybe schools didn't anticipate how difficult it is and how complex it is to run a successful one-year program. And the schools that have been doing this in Europe, in many cases, have been doing this and refining this for many years. And I think it's also a case that it's just schools um, some of the schools that are quite frankly are struggling right and so having their resources spread across multiple different formats um, doesn't make sense anymore so it will be interesting to see how how things progress but I think you know what you said about in the U.S. perhaps the right formula for one-year programs is to focus on a specific industry that that may make a lot of sense right and um, rather than having a generalist MBA in a one-year format which is more complex than they initially it may initially appear yeah definitely true uh, Maria any final thoughts on this topic I mean it's it's just so fascinating because I feel like there are some top business schools that are Yale is launching a brand new master's in asset management, which is a one-year program with a very specific industry focus. Uh, yeah, and, Chicago Booth is, is finally offering that's a, right. uh, a MIM program. A MIM, that's, that's right. Management. And so yeah. it's it's so interesting to see all of these different, you know, some some schools are are launching one-year programs, maybe not one-year MBAs, but one-year specialized programs, and yet one-year MBAs at other schools are are being shuttered. Uh, I'd be curious to see what happens with the one-year, the established one-year MBAs at places like Kellogg. Uh, and Emory, for example, I would I would hope and I would think that those would still maintain because I would think that the institution itself, I know at Kellogg, the one-year program is very well integrated and I know they have a lot of administrative support. So I would assume that that program is probably going to be, hopefully will still be maintained for a long time because I think it's, it's an excellent opportunity for the right candidate. Uh, yeah, I mean, who knows who knows what's going to happen? It's uh, I if, if you would have said, okay, Maria, Notre Dame is going to announce that they're shutting down one of their two MBA programs, either the two-year or the one-year, I would have perhaps thought it's the two-year program. Uh, and so it was. it's just such an interesting 
interesting times that we live in. Yeah, definitely true. Um, the other thing that's happened is uh, we kind of early on named our Dean of the Year. We did this in conjunction with uh, the Thinkers 50 uh, virtual event um, that occurred. And uh, the Dean of the Year is Ann Harrison of UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business. Ann had been a faculty member at Wharton before taking over the job uh, as the Haas Dean uh, about four years ago. And we named her the Dean of the Year in part because of all the progress that she's made in a very short time, and particularly uh, over a time when most schools were pretty disrupted uh, because of COVID. Uh, and it must be said that the University of California is one of the more notoriously slow-moving bureaucracies of all universities. Um, and yet, uh, under leadership, uh, in four years, she's uh, brought in record amounts of fundraising, um, almost $230 million, including the largest single gift, the $30 million gift that uh, Haas has ever received. She's boosted the size of the faculty by 30% to nearly 100 tenure and tenure track professors, which is highly unusual because it's really hard to hire people given the bureaucracy there. And she's uh, focused primarily on entrepreneurship, sustainability, and diversity and inclusion. Some 70% of the newly hired faculty are women, uh, which is a big change because that's been able, she's been able to basically increase the number of female faculty at the school from 20% to 30%. Uh, she's put a heavy emphasis on sustainability. She's launched an online option in the part-time MBA program. She's converting the two-year undergraduate program into four years, uh, which is really the market preference in the U.S. So people can have the opportunity to do more uh, internships instead of just one between the junior and senior year. And then she's successfully partnered with a lot of other departments uh, and colleges at Berkeley for everything from the Department of Molecular and Cell Biology to the School of Law and Engineering and Journalism uh, to the College of Natural Resources. Uh, she's launched a new joint MBA program uh, in climate solutions. And she's broken ground on a new entrepreneurship hub for the entire university. All this in four years, which is kind of remarkable. So ha have a look at that. I don't know if you two have uh, uh, looked at that or are familiar with what Ann Harrison has done, but she's been a dynamite dean. And the other thing I should point out is, you know, she's still one of the very few women uh, who've been able to attain the deanship at a top business school. Why aren't there more women in these jobs, Maria? Way to, way to throw the easy, I love these softball, <laughs> easy questions that you throw them. Every, every week is a delight, really. Uh, no, just get, uh, I don't know. Why aren't there more women and why aren't women running the world in general? I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I, I just, I think that the path to being a dean of a business school has always had a very prescribed route, just like the path of being a, a business school faculty has always had a very prescribed route in the past, right? You have to have an MBA to become a professor. You have to be a professor. You know, and, and many times it's not just enough to be a professor. You then need additional education in administration. There are actually, you know, and I think uh, the dean at, at Darden may have undertaken this. There, you know, there's like a PhD in how to be an administrator at a university. Uh, right. So you need additional training on top of that, usually to be considered qualified for that role. Uh, and I think that since 
because these are roles that traditionally you need like maybe let's say a 20 year lead time of experience, you know, it's, it's, that's, there's going to be a lag in terms of the number of women. Uh, but fortunately I, I, you know, I, I think that this Dean, uh, at Haas was, she was a professor for, for some years, but I, you know, I, I, it looks to me like perhaps Haas was willing to take a bit of a chance on her or perhaps, I mean, ha, I mean, th- you know, a lot of business schools, I think, are increasingly both with faculty and with administrators uh, starting to take a fresher look at identifying talent and putting that talent where it can, you know, make a difference. Uh, and maybe even if that means sort of getting rid of some of the older norms and requirements that used to be set in stone. So, yeah, true. I mean, in, in um, NCOD, for example, has never had a female dean. Why do you think that's so? No, I was just thinking about that as the school has just um, brought in a, a, a new dean, Francisco Veloso, who I met at the at the weekend at my NCAD reunion, which was great. Oh, um, you so need to I, I, about that. Yeah, so he seems wonderful. Uh, he yeah. uh, he made a he made a, a speech to the alumni, and I asked around um, to sort of get a, a hot take on people's first impressions, and it was very positive. So. Uh, he's only been there for six weeks, so they kind of, you know, threw him to the fire by putting him up in front of thousand alumni to make his speech about his vision for INSEAD and the direction that he wants to take the school in. So that wasn't Although an easy he, task. He is a veteran dean, right? Because he he's is. Been, he's he been is. dean of two other business schools, the Lisbon School of Business and Economics, as well as Imperial College and uh, Business School in London. So, so he's got he's got a lot of interesting experience. He is. And I'm sure that that's why they've brought him in. And I think especially I think that probably he got it because of his experience in digital and online and the success that he had with um, launching those programs at Imperial. And INSEAD is looking to continue its digital transformation. And um, and so they're looking to him to lead that. Um, so, yes, it's a, it's a shame that the school has not yet had a female leader, but perhaps after Francisco, that will be. I'm I'm sure they looked for female candidates. Um, hopefully next sure time they will. will they will line something up. But you know, from my experience when I was working at INSEAD, um, faculty was very male dominated. Administration was very female dominated. Yes. And the deans are always picked from the faculty. Um, and so that has shifted a bit uh in the past few years but there is a long way to go to bring through more female candidates but as we see from the women who are um in those dean roles right they are pretty pretty damn fantastic so we need more of them and uh harvard and stanford have yet to have a female dean of course wharton's current dean um is uh the first uh woman to lead that school I predict, and if you want to make a bet, I'll make a bet with you. Harvard's next uh, dean will be a woman. What do you think, Maria? <laughs> I I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. <laughs> it's been a long run, and 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 you know, and, and and Harvard actually has a number of women on the faculty who would be make great deans. Um, so absolutely, yes, for sure. Given. Given recent events, perhaps sooner rather than later. <laughs> uh, I think I think that that's very true as well, Caroline. Womp <laughs> womp. <laughs> All right, boy. Hey, we had a really expansive uh, conversation today that started with um, the decline of the one-year MBA program at Notre Dame and Cornell, and why and what it meant for the MBA market and the MBA of the future. 
Um, then our female uh, dean of the year, uh, Berkeley Haas. And now some speculation about, hmm, who will the next dean be at Harvard, among other places? So uh, stay tuned. You will find out here first <laughs> with commentary. Thanks for listening. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants.